This is season two of the Marked Podcast from Lifeway Women. I'm your host, Mary Margaret Collingsworth. Each week, we'll hear the story of what God has done in the lives of different people. We'll talk about things that have marked them, and I know you'll be encouraged. Most of them are just like you. I'm so glad that you've joined us today. Thanks so much for joining us this week on the Marks Podcast. I hope that um, that you enjoyed last week's episode with Maureen. Um, I know I just listened back to it yesterday and was just super encouraged to hear her story, just of what God's doing in and through her life. Um, but today we're kind of going to go a different direction, and um, we have a guy guest on our podcast today, which I know doesn't happen all the time, but we definitely want it to be a part of what we do. And so um, today you're going to hear from Nate Aiken, and I'm just going to kind of let him introduce himself. So Nate, welcome to the Marked Podcast. Yeah, it's a it's a privilege, and I was at first thinking woman's podcast. I don't know what I'll have to say to help out, but I'll just tell a little bit about myself. Um, I'm currently a pastor for discipleship at Imago Day Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. We actually started a little over five years ago, meeting publicly, and um, we actually just huge news for us is we just closed on a building, a, a building that was actually had a church uh, meeting in it before. That's been a big move for us. I mean, hopefully it'll be the last place I, I serve yeah. as pastor at Imago Day Church. So we're in the midst of all that, which has been really fun. Um, I'm also the director of Baptist 21. Uh, Baptist 21, I think we'll talk some about this, but it's a it's a group of young pastors who got together now over seven years ago. It's been uh, kind of short and long and seeming how long we've been together. It's been kind of crazy. But seven years ago uh, to basically talk both one, to say there are a lot of good things that the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, offers. Uh, there's also things that we wouldn't completely agree with, but we wanted to be, instead of a voice that was like always critical of the Southern Baptist Convention, we wanted to be a winsome voice for change from within, yeah. from the younger generation, and also appeal to younger guys our age to say, hey, there's a lot here. Like that's, We got a lot of uh, you know great men and women that have gone before us on whose shoulders we stand, Let's enjoy what they have provided for us, and at, while at the same time saying it's not perfect and it can change, but let's do that from the inside rather than on the outside, throwing throwing rocks back into the group. And so the Lord has been very kind to us uh, in those seven years uh, yeah. as far as the things we've been able to do. So it's been a real, uh, it's been, again, crazy to even yeah. think it's been seven years, but it's been, the Lord has been really kind to us in, the, in that work. That's awesome. And I think, you know, and that was one of the biggest reasons that when I was looking at, you know, it kind of like who to have next on the podcast and why, you know, your name came up from several people. And I think it's because, you know, what you guys are is a voice for our younger generation, which a lot of our listeners are younger, um, you know, just to say, hey, you know, we want to be a part of, of the good that's happening and be c- contributors to what's happening, like you're saying, and not throw rocks at, at what's gone before, but learn from the people that have gone before us. And if, you know, if any of you have been any part of denominational life um, and just in your walk with the Lord in your church any of that you know that it can be it can be it comes with its own challenges and um, all that kind of good stuff but we'll kind of get to that in a minute but one question I wanted to ask you is like did you ever like was your goal to be a discipleship pastor or like how did that like how did you end up in what you're doing now no um, so I I'm the the son of a minister my dad is actually the president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary Um, he and it's Ironic. So I have three brothers. All, all four of us are in in the ministry. Um, all four have been pastors at one time or another, or served one of the denominational entities for the Southern Baptist Convention. And so, some might think that we, you know, that Dad may have pushed that on us. He never did. He al- he always said to us, "I don't care what you do as long as you honor the Lord." Uh, we we also grew up in a family that loves sports. So mm-hmm. and, and you can thank four boys that were within five years of age yeah. and, and difference. And so we we played sports all the time. We we we. <laughs> 
we were very competitive growing up. So I actually, for the for a long time, uh, interesting considering the season we're in right now, I, I actually studied, I got my degree in political science mm. um, at Murray State University, but I also played college basketball there at Murray State. So yeah. my thought was either one, maybe go into to law politics one day, that was early in college, and then it shifted as I started to lose confidence in the in the political um you know arena i shifted to then saying i want to teach and coach so that Mm -hmm. could either be teach and coach in a high school or coach college basketball i was on that path and and ironically i went to teach the back of the school that i graduated from which was a christian school my degree was in social sciences they didn't have any social science teaching availability so no history no government no uh, none of that but they had a bible opening and so they said would you teach the bible and i said well you know i haven't been trained in it obviously i've grown up in a christian family uh, if, if you let me take whatever class I'm going to teach, if you let me take that class this summer at the seminary, this was in Louisville at Southern Seminary, uh, then I'll just stay ahead of the kids and, and I can teach it. So that's how, that's how it all started. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was coaching, but I really came to love, um, to love the, the studying theology. And then I had a, I wouldn't say a crisis of faith, but I had a time when I basically asked myself, do I really one am I really Baptist? Was interesting. <laughs> uh, and then, and then, you know, do I do I really um, do I really believe in Baptist distinctives? And so mm-hmm. I started studying them more closely, not just what had been assumed as Baptist distinctives, but like what did our earliest Baptist brothers and sisters believe? And then, then I went to the scriptures to see if I thought those were were true, and and I became very convinced, particularly of the primacy of the local church. And then when I when I became convinced of that, I just thought, what a what a joy it would be to give my life over to pastoring a church. Mm, yeah. Um, the way I kind of got into the discipleship side of this was uh, I was at a church uh, in, in Raleigh. They did a lot of church planning. And so when I'm becoming very convinced of the primacy of the local church, and then I'm becoming convinced that I want to be a pastor, and then kind of looking around and seeing, it doesn't seem like all these churches kind of order themselves the way the Bible says they should be ordered. And that could be a whole other conversation. Yes. But I would rather maybe start something from the ground up where we could try to, as best we can, try to set up a, a church structure and order that, that was reflective of the New Testament. And so I just started thinking church planning would be the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was a single man, and so I had a, I, I am a single man, but I had a conviction that I would not, I didn't want to be a lead teaching pastor as a single man. Mm-hmm. But I also developed at that time because of my thoughts on the primacy of the church, the importance of pastoring, and, and the importance of the role the local church plays in discipleship, I became very um, convinced of meaningful membership yeah. and the importance of community through small groups. And so um, that was the direction, that, that, or those are the things I got passionate about. Then I ran into a guy named Tony Morita, who's our teaching pastor at Imago Day Church, who also teaches preaching at Southeastern, and then he was at a, a big church in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, who was planning to come plant in Raleigh. He wanted to find a team to start the church with, and so he and I started talking, and he said, I need a guy who's passionate about membership in small groups. That happened to be me, yeah. and then uh, we, our hearts really connected both from a theological standpoint and also philosophical standpoint, so it did seem like, a, like we were a really good team, plus he liked sports, so we connected <laughs> on that level as well. He played college baseball, played college basketball, and, um, and so that's kind of how we started talking through me joining that church plant. I then went back to my elders at the church I was at and just said, hey— this is what's presented itself. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I have some desire towards it, but would love to hear if you guys think I'm qualified and um, if, if this is something you think I should do, to which they you know, helped walk me through that and then gave me their blessing. And so um, we started about five, over five years ago meeting in his home here in Raleigh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we're, we're where we're at today. That's awesome. 
you know, and I think I, I so resonate with what you said. And I think that those pieces to church life are so vital. Um, but maybe for somebody who's listening today, who is, you know, maybe they've been at a church for a long time. They've been attending on Sunday morning, maybe even they're serving, you know, why is church membership an important thing? Like, you know, like, is it biblical? Yeah. Like, is it important? Yeah. So I think I would start with it. The reason it's important is because it's biblical. So I even hear, uh, even particularly in the church planning world, people mm-hmm. um, won't start with membership or they don't find membership important. They'll even change the word. They'll use words like partner instead mm-hmm. of member, which, you know, I, I I get what they're trying to accomplish, but the word is actually biblical. So just start there. First Corinthians 12, we are members of a body. And the and the and just the beautiful picture of First Corinthians 12, talking about members of lesser honor and greater honor and and just this picture of how we need one another. So one, the, the word is biblical, but the concept is biblical. I mean, yeah. even in Acts 2, the very first connection to the local church. It says those who received the word were baptized and added to their number. So mm-hmm. there's there's this, there's from the beginning an, an intense sense of belonging to one another as brothers and sisters. And then if you just add in Hebrews 13, 17, where it talks about, he's telling the congregation to, to submit to your leaders, obey your leaders and submit to them as those who are giving care for your soul. Mm-hmm. Let them do this. He says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. The picture there is the elders of the congregation have to give an account for the members. So that for that to happen, I have to know which members I actually give an account for. Yeah. I don't give an I don't give an account for every Christian in Raleigh. Thank goodness, <laughs> I give I give an account for those that have committed themselves to a Mago Day Church. Yeah, and then even just the picture in First Corinthians five of church discipline. So not just accountability to the elders, mm-hmm. but accountability to one another. So yeah. this picture, and, and and so they wouldn't know. Um, you wouldn't know who to discipline if you didn't know who you were committed to. Yeah. And so there's just there's just the the the. the the theme of that and the strand of that runs throughout the whole New Testament, and, and the reason is is because we need one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole the whole picture is even in First Corinthians twelve. For my growth, I need the brothers and sisters to pour into my life, to confront me, yep. to to rebuke me when necessary, to rejoice with me when necessary, to 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 weep with me when necessary, and I need to do that with others. And uh, and and so you just have this this whole picture in the New Testament that the way we're going to one hold fast to our confession and not waver. Mm-hmm. And the way that we're going to uh, actually grow in the faith is because we're going to have brothers and sisters that are walking this life with us. And it's this whole picture of family. Like even a, the family, that's even a bigger reality than, than our biological families, as good as those are. Mm-hmm. This is something spiritual that's going to last forever. And so we just want to give a reflection now uh, of what the future is going to look like. It's not easy, but we think um, it's necessary. And, and we found at Imago Day that when you raise the bar to meaningful membership, it actually Christians actually step up to that, mm-hmm. and they and they're blessed by it. Uh, and so we we just have that conviction and have, have tried our best to carry that out. That's awesome, and you know, and I think it's one of those things that people. I remember especially in college, a lot of my friends just had a really hard time moving their church membership because maybe they'd grown up somewhere and had been in the same church their whole life, or you know, it just felt like such a big step, you know. But then I think there is such a joy and a like that family piece that you mentioned that comes with it. But it's it's also very biblical as you've just outlined so clearly, and um, you know, and I think that for us. As believers, it's something important for us to talk about because yeah. um, it's not just signing a card, walking an aisle, saying "I want to be here." It's it is being a part of the body of Christ, and it's a fleshing out of of what Scripture tells us. And um, for us, as you know, and it's it's how we're supposed to you know carry one another's burdens and shoulder what we're walking through, and you know, and be community to one another. But you know, the context of the local church is you know, the way that God is accomplishing that now, you know, here in our day. And so it's, it's huge. Yeah. It's yeah. his plan. And sure, yeah. how, how does I'll that, Oh, go ahead. You go ahead. About that. 
because um, so we get because we have a lot of college students uh, that come to Imago Day. We kind of get this sometimes. You know, I'm going to stay a member at my home church, uh, and I get I get that um, that impulse. I, I think it's a wrong one though because it's like I wouldn't keep my gym membership in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I moved to Raleigh, because it would do no benefit for me to see a bunch mm-hmm. of weights and, and treadmills in Atlanta that never get used. Yeah. Like I would move my membership. And so if that's true for like your physical uh, vitality, how much more so for your spiritual vitality? Absolutely. So our, like it doesn't mean that you lose connection altogether with mm-hmm. your home church or anything like that. In fact, hopefully by you having a strong local church where you're at, that connection will be even stronger with your with your home church. But our push is always, no, like you're going to be here nine months out of the year. Mm-hmm. So where you're going to be nine months out of the year, you should covenant with some brothers and sisters to help hold you accountable and to help you grow in, in the Lord, to actually just thrive in the Lord particularly during college years. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I'm wondering how, like how in, in your context does that flesh out through the, the concept idea of, of the principle of discipleship and like, what does that look like? And, you know, do you have like a definition for discipleship or what does that look like for how you guys flesh that out in your church body? Yeah. I don't necessarily have a, deci- uh, a, a uh, definition. Uh, so, for, so for me, and, and there's, there's, I've studied all this just because of, of my role, and, mm-hmm. and you have just different definitions. And some would say discipleship is merely one-on-one or one-on-two. I, I, I just reject that because I think the whole of what the church is supposed to do is discipleship. So yeah. the, the, even the picture of the Great Commission. Uh, and so so we view discipleship through a, through a big—so we would use um, the, the, the categories of macro and then micro. Uh, we've been really helped by a book by a guy named Whitmer called The Shepherd Leader as far as a pastoring philosophy, but it's also our philosophy for everything. So— so our goal is you're being discipled in a variety of ways. First and foremost, the big kind of what's the macro level is going to be what we preach to you on Sunday. So like mm-hmm. we see Sunday as a chance to disciple the whole congregation. Uh, and so we're, getting, we're going to teach the truths of the gospel. We're getting to give exhortations because of the truths of the gospel. And so we're hoping that's going to help you grow. Then the secondary thing is we break that down into uh, micro, which is in our small groups, which for us is mainly discussion of the text that was preached on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is really try to, so if, when Tony's preaching or if I preach, we're not going to draw out every application the text can have or every exhortation that could have because of those gospel truths. We're actually going to push that to the small groups and say, let's take what you've heard and let's really try to, to make that impact your life. So this week, how is this going to change your life? So, so that's, that's micro, but then we have other micro as well. I mean, we have, we encourage them to pray in, in smaller groups. We encourage them to meet informally, so not in just in small group time, but mm-hmm. informally with, with less than the whole group so that there's mutual discipleship or even mentor-mentee uh, discipleship going on. Uh, on, a, on a more large scale, as far as leadership development, we have a uh, program called Aspire. This is our pastoral training program, so we keep about 10 to 12 guys in there, and the staff elders, staff pastors, we meet weekly with those guys. Uh, we do discussion through the pastoral epistles with them, mm-hmm. uh, and and then we go through books together, books about pastoral ministry, the church, and mission. And so we're we're really trying to pour into them. So that we have things like that going on. We have smaller discipleship classes that mm-hmm. we equip, uh, and those are really going to be able to ramp up once we uh, now that we moved into this building. And yeah. so that would be that would be things like how to read the Bible. That that'll be theology one hundred and one. I mean just just stuff to equip our people so they'll be better disciples. And then we even have another wing that's more official as well that's for our missionaries, those that desire to go internationally. We call it going. And Mm so myself and then a a guy that's an elder who served on the mission field, we meet uh, once a month with our folks that are going to be headed out to be official Mago Day uh, missionaries 
we meet with them and go through things with them as well, trying to get to know them, building prayer advocacy teams for them and things like that. And so we, we have many avenues by which we're doing it, both formally and informally and both macro and, and micro level as far as how we're trying to accomplish that. And all it is for us, I mean, the most basic thing for me about discipleship is you growing in Christ. Yeah. You're growing both in uh, word and in deed. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's, that's simply what it is. It's just growth in Christ and we're using many avenues to hopefully try to accomplish that. That's awesome. And, you know, and hopefully, you know, if you're listening today that you are in a church that that is, that that's the goal, because, because if you're, if you're in the word and you know what it says, that that is the goal. And, um, and so I think it's, it, it happens so naturally and so, um, in, in, in such a healthy way through the avenue of the local church. And so Absolutely. if you, if you're listening and you're not in a church that, that has this, you know, that is discipling people, if you don't feel like you're growing, you know, um, I'm not telling you you need to go find another church, but, but just at least be open to what the word of God has to say about, you know, about making disciples and about being in community and about, um, you know, just growing with one and you know, with other believers in the Lord so that we can do the thing that he's called us to do. And, yeah. um, you know, cause I That's, know it's, Oh, go ahead. I, I would just add, open your eyes to see what your church might actually be doing that you may even be missing out yeah. on. They may, they may have opportunities that, that you're just either one, maybe not aware of, or two, you just have neglected and just mm-hmm. take advantage of those, those avenues that your church is providing. Yeah. To help and, and start people. asking questions, you know, start asking questions of like, Hey, you know, have we ever thought about doing something like this? And, you know, I, I wouldn't go in there with a checklist of like, we need to add these 18 things to, to our schedule, you know, because it may not fit. Um, you know, every church is going to do those processes differently and it's going to look, yeah. you know, a little bit differently in every single context. Um, you know, but I think just to be a healthy church member and to ask questions of your, of your staff team and just to go, Hey, you know, what does this look like, you know, as, as our, in our community of believers, you know, how does this flesh itself out? And, you know, don't be afraid to ask some of those questions because that's, that's what our staff teams are there for. Our pastoral teams are there for just to answer, you know, to answer those kind of things that we're wondering about. Yeah. And I would encourage you when you, you know, the posture you take towards your pastor should be one of humility Mm -hmm. and, and trying to learn, but, but your pastors are not above being asked questions. Like we would welcome it. And so, if you come to me with an idea, but you come to me with a posture of humility, I'm going to be much more willing to receive it instead of, why does your church not do this? Right. <laughs> that's this, that doesn't get received well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there are, and then also if I, if I trust the person, they, they've shown themselves to be a good church member. Yeah. Um, they, they're much more likely to get my ear because mm-hmm. they, like, I know they want my best, uh, and they want the church's best. Whereas somebody who might complain or be very critical, I don't necessarily know their intentions. So, yeah. That would just be a word of how to approach yes, a pastor. I love it. That's so good. And, um, you know, I, I'd love to kind of like move the conversation and just ask you a question about like, who are, who have been some of the most influential people in your life and like, why have they influenced you? Yeah. So, uh, the number one, uh, would be my dad, mm-hmm. uh, Danny Aiken and my mom, Charlotte Aiken. They just, um, from, from day one, they raised us mainly dad really taught us the Lordship of Christ mm-hmm. from, a, from an early age to, to, to love the things that Christ loves, to think the way Christ thinks. Um, so that, I mean, he's had this a massive, it, it, I can't really even explain how big an influence. I mean, he, he's still a guy to this day that I call whenever I have a question. Yeah. And so, um, he is, has been huge, um, uh, mom more from the nurturing side of raising us. Mm-hmm. She was a stay at home mom and, um, got to see, you know, sacrificial love in, in our lives. Um, that, that, those would be two huge ones. Uh, others, so so Dwayne Milioni, who was the pastor of the church that I was sent out of to plant with Tony, mm-hmm. uh, he had a huge influence on my life. One, to as I was growing in my love for the local church, he was one of the ones that really kind of was 
he was really helping me uh, through that. And just, he was a huge um, blessing in my life and still is. I mean, he's down the road. And so and he's still a guy that on occasion I, I, I go see and ask questions of. He's been helped us even as a church think through things uh, when we were really young and mm-hmm. had some serious things going on in our congregation. So he, those would be two uh, from, come from kind of afar uh, men like Tim Keller, mm-hmm. uh, his, his, focus on how to bring the gospel to bear on, on sin, the gospel to bear on mm-hmm. hermeneutics and, and everyday life. He's been a huge influence, um, both through his preaching and, and through his writing. Yeah. yeah. So another influence has been Dr. Moeller, um, at Southern Seminary. He, he, my dad actually worked there when we were in high school alongside Dr. Moeller, they became really good friends. And so just the way he helps us think through, uh, how to have a Christian worldview has been massively impactful mm-hmm. in my life. We know him on a personal level, though, so I even get to ask him questions that he doesn't normally address on on the briefing. So questions about the church and other things, and so he's just he's been a big influence. Uh, Dr. Russell Moore mm-hmm. uh, at at um, the ERLC, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission for the Southern Baptist Convention, he's been impactful on me certainly through social and ethical issues and and those. I mean, he helps us think really well, mainly through his writing. But he's also been hugely impactful in his preaching in my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, he he does such a great job of having a Christ-centered focus, and so he's he's somebody who I regularly listen to his sermons. Um, and so th- those would be a few that you know I've mentioned. Obviously, guys like John Piper, who's given a big vision for the glory of God, have been have been helpful in my life. Uh, and then and then on books, so books would be the Whitmer book as far mm-hmm. as pastor mentioned earlier, John Hammett's book on biblical foundations for Baptist churches. Also was um, what really kind of sent me in that direction of yeah I'm, I actually am a Baptist I believe this I think it's biblical and then the final one I'd mention is Bonhoeffer's book Life Together mm. where he talked about the importance of Christian community uh, we actually had the first summer so when we were one year into a Mago Day we had all of our members read it and talk through it in small group it is huge it has hugely shaped how I view the importance of community in the local church and mm. it's small I mean it's it's five chapters. I think it's like 120 pages. I've read it four or five times. So those would be kind of influences both alive and dead yeah. and, and from afar that have been that have been huge in my life. Mm-hmm. And it's so, I love that just where we are today in 2016, that like we can be influenced by people that we may or may not ever meet, you know, and that we can be influenced by books and we can, um, you know, learn so much from people that have gone before us, whether we know them personally or whether we're listening to a podcast or listening to a sermon or reading a book that, you know, that those kind of people can be huge influences in our lives um, just because of the work that they've done and what they've accomplished. Um, you know, and, and I would say like, as we kind of move into talking a little bit, I would love for you to share, um, a little bit more about Baptist 21 and when kind of what you guys do and, you know, and how it impacts like the younger generation coming up that are, that are church leaders now. Yeah. Yeah. So when we, when we started it, you know, I talked a little bit about the beginning, uh, we mainly were going to start it just as a blog. What, what, What was happening was we were beginning to see young men, uh, pastors leave the, the Southern Baptist convention. We had a burden to say like, we want you to stay, but we kind of thought we're going to need to start writing and, and, and able to articulate the reasons why we think they should, yeah. while at the same time also saying there are things we wish would change. And mm-hmm. so we thought, hey, just to help us when we have these conversations, let's write because it'll make us you know, be able to articulate that better when we have these conversations. We didn't know what kind of readership we would get. You know, mm-hmm. We thought you know, probably our moms would read it, and that's about, that's about it, uh, but it would help us think better. Well, it hit struck a chord from basically day one. Yeah. Um, we had, um, you know, we get lots of hits on the website, lots of comments. Sometimes those are good. Sometimes those are bad. 
uh, you know, blogging. That's it's an interesting, interesting thing. But then, kind of moving towards the Southern Baptist Convention that year, so we were about nine months old. So we we had had, and then we'd had a guy, uh, Dr. Steve McKinnon, who's a professor at Southeastern. He wrote a guest post about third. He called it third generation Southern Baptist conservative. So third generation after the the conservative resurgence in the Southern Baptist Convention, mm-hmm. which if you think I should explain that, I can explain that. <laughs> that that may take a little. I can do it it quickly. Okay, go for it. So the Southern Baptist Convention was moving, particularly in its seminaries, in a more liberal direction to the point that most would reject the inerrancy of the scriptures um, in in their seminaries. And so it was moving in a more liberal direction, but because of the work of some men like Paige Patterson and others, they were able to elect enough Southern Baptist Convention presidents. They were able to put trustees on seminary boards that were able to turn them back to conservatives. Mm -hmm. So that's what they call it, the conservative surgeons. It'd be turned back to what it was. Uh, and so he writes about the grandsons, basically, of that movement, mm-hmm. and it and it really struck a chord. And so we had people saying, "Y'all, y'all should do an event at the Southern Baptist Convention." And uh, we had seen, you know, we had been to young leader events in the past at Southern Baptist Conventions, and they were very poorly attended. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were kind of like, "I don't know," but then we just said, "Okay, let's let's just go for it." And it was it was a really weird one because it was in Louisville, and so. We actually had to do it off-site, and Louisville was a really weird one because hotels were actually not con- connected to the convention center, so mm-hmm. people had to go park. At the, it was it was a nightmare. So the fact that anybody showed up to our event was shocking. Yeah. So we did it. We did it about 15, 20 minutes from the convention center, and we had six hundred people show up. Wow. Uh, we, we were planning for like two fifty. Had six hundred. Um, we had we had people on the panel, and then we just asked them questions about denominational life, and it really. It really went off well, yeah. and so that every year we've had even more. I mean, most years we have a thousand or more. We had almost fifteen hundred in mm-hmm. Orlando, uh, and so every year now we do this panel at the Southern Baptist Convention, which is one of the main ways we're trying to to encourage young guys to be a part. So to come to the Southern Baptist Convention, take part in the mm-hmm. process of voting and stuff that young people don't always love to do, but right. I think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. I, I think if we're going to have a voice, and then, then we actually have to show up and vote, yeah. and so. That's been one of our big encouragement to the young guys is like you can't be critical and then also not be involved in the process. Like yep. come be a part of the process. And so that's that's been kind of how things flowed. We started as a blog, but then it's now turned into more of a of a group that's trying to do things through um, through these occasional blogs, through mm-hmm. events, like the Southern Baptist Convention. We're now starting to do several at state conventions. We do a network phone call regularly with the guys that are more closely connected to Baptist 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've just done things like that to try to push those, mainly those two things. Like we want to be, we want to be known for being gospel centered, not for being fundamentalist mm-hmm. in, in the bad sense of the word fundamentalist. Um, you know, being known more for what we're against than what we're for. So mm-hmm. we want to be gospel centered. We want to believe in the primacy of the church. So this is a big one that I've talked about multiple times, but what I really mean by that is that the church, so there are no, not that they're bad, but there are no mission boards in the New Testament. There are no seminaries in the, in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just not in there. So it's not that they're it's not that they're unbiblical. They're just abiblical. Uh, and so the, the the sending agent in the New Testament, the one that sent out missionaries and the one that planted churches, was mm-hmm. the local church. Yep. And the one that trained and raised up leaders was the local church. Mm-hmm. So what I think, and I think this is initially what the founding fathers of the SBC wanted, Southern Baptist Convention wanted was. That these institutions, like the International Mission Board, would serve the local church in the tasks that they have, yep. and I think it had gotten flipped on its head, where the churches were serving the entities and the entities were doing the work. Mm-hmm. And we're saying we want to see a shift back. And I think by God's grace, we've started to see that. Yeah, seminaries are doing things like where they they do they'll do theological education through the local church through training that's done. The IMB is really doing a great job now of of inviting the sending church to be a part of the whole process, which has been a real blessing. And then NAM is the same, the North American Mission Board, the same way. They they really are trying to in, equip and empower churches to be sending churches. And so, yeah. 
we've seen a lot of good things happen, and we just were struck by the the fact that there were a lot of people that resonated with what we were saying. But then, what actually was even more encouraging to us is there were men a little bit further ahead of us who who had already been feeling the same things. Not like we influenced them; they had already been feeling the same things, and then they got put in places of leadership, and yeah. so. That was a real blessing to us as well. That's awesome. And, you know, and I'm sure today that there are people listening who are Southern Baptists who are going, what, huh? You know, because, you know, maybe they were raised in a church that didn't talk about that kind of stuff. You know, and so I, I hope that for you, you know, whether you're Southern Baptist or not, you know, um, if you're a Christ follower, you know, find out what the resources are, you know, in your area, in your denomination, you know, and find out ways that you can get connected to the life of, you know, of the, of not only your local church, but also the global church, you know, and, and there's, there's tons of ways to do that. But I love that you said, you know, that like we have to, stand up and take our, you know, like we have to be responsible as adults now to go, okay, like I have a voice, I have a vote. And like, I went to the Southern Baptist convention last summer and I called my, I talked to my church. I said, can I go as a messenger? Can I go and vote? And, and they said, yes, you know, go ahead. And so sometimes, you know, it takes the initiative of asking the question and of just saying, Hey, can I, what can we do? Can I be a part, you know, and, and just seeing what God's doing through, you know, through connecting believers and giving opportunity to have discussion where, where then things are birthed out of that, that, um, you know, that, that encourage the church and that, that build up the church. And, um, you know, so I, I would just, you know, wherever you are today and you're listening to this and maybe, um, maybe, you know, you're sitting here going like, I don't know how to get plugged in, you know, Google it. Like we all have resources at our fingertips where we can find information in a way that we never have been able to before. And so, you know, find out ways and ask questions of, of how to be a part and be involved. And if that's somebody listening and, and, you know, you just have, you're like, I can't even figure this out. There's no way I know how to get involved in Southern Baptist life. Just, I mean, email Baptist 21 at gmail.com. We will, we will figure out ways. I mean, there awesome. will know, know ways in your state convention and other things that you can do to be involved uh, in, in seeing one encouraging the good things that are happening. And then one it's having your voice for things that you may not necessarily agree with. Awesome. I love it. Um, well, to ask a question that I ask everybody, um, like what is something that has marked you? You know, we're the marked podcast. So like what, if you had to kind of like look back on your life thus far, you know, what is like either, whether it's a person, a situation, a thing, like what is something that has marked you, Nate? Yeah. So it would have been, I'll just go back to Tim Keller. It was a probably, gosh, now almost nine years ago, maybe 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I was in a time of, of deep sin. Um, and I got a podcast or I don't know if it was a podcast, but it was a lecture that he did on preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. And it was basic. The first time I'd really heard that the gospel is for believers and not just unbelievers. Um, I think I'd been taught things like that before, but I didn't have ears to hear at the moment, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, so that's not to discourage anybody that was my Sunday school teachers or pastors, <laughs> or anything like that. It was just some, for some reason, the way that, that pastor Keller explained it, it really struck a chord. So that, so for me, he goes through this whole this whole thing about how to, to use the gospel to fight your sin. And it was it was like revolutionary for mm. me. And and so from then then on, I began able to work on how to bring the gospel to bear on, on everything. Not to say that I wouldn't sin, but with my impatience. Like I was able to to talk about the the patience and long suffering of God with us and saving us. And to think of what he's shown us in his love and how patient he's been with us. Yeah. How can I not in turn respond to others with patience? I, mm-hmm. I remember uh, shortly after that going through, we were in Jordan. Um, one of my brothers was a missionary in Jordan, and we were going to go across the border and do a tour of Israel. And so if you know anything about that region, they don't have great relations and relationships. And so when we it, going through security, getting going from Jordan into Israel was an absolute nightmare. And they had we had little kids with us, and so it was just a real 
and I remember, you know, my uh, my anger was starting to be to be fueled, and uh, and I remember just preaching the gospel to myself, which is what I just said. Like yeah. these people are unbelievers. I need to show them the mm-hmm. same love that you've shown us. And then I remember, like one of my brothers got mad, and I just then I started feeling really self righteous to my brothers. So then I had a whole <laughs> level of sins that I didn't have to work on and preach the gospel mm-hmm. to myself. And so, but that was revolutionary for me as far as that is how I try to live my life now, whether it be any number of sins that I struggle with, I'm trying to ask, how does the gospel come to bear on mm-hmm. that? And it's been, it's been huge. Again, it's, it's just a tool to help fight. Not that I have complete mastery over my sin, um, but it's been what's for me helped me in my sanctification the most. That's awesome. And, and I think we've all found, found ourselves there at one point of going, I have got this figured out. Like, why can't you get yourself together? You know, to whether yeah. it's our siblings or the people around us. Yes, yeah. exactly. Just piling it on. Um, well, there was one other question I wanted to ask you, cause you kind of alluded to this when, you know, when you told us a little bit about yourself at the beginning, um, you know, and I think in our Lifeway women area, we talk, you know, on the, on our blog and, and even, you know, you hear people talk about at events, like what is it, what it's like to be a single woman in ministry or in, you know, as an adult or whatever, like, how does that look like, you know, from your perspective to be a single guy in ministry, you know, how, like, does that have any differences or frustrations or how does it kind of play itself out for you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's the positive and negatives of it, right? The positives, I think even just First Corinthians 7, we've been talking about this last week among the elders, um, that I don't have the same worldly sorrows or the worldly concerns that, that others have. So I, I'm, not, um, I'm not having to right now think about a wife or kids, mm-hmm. and, and, and so I have more free time to, to, to devote to ministry. So... Um, I'll just leave it at that. I mean, there's just so much more I can do yeah. and be singly minded and devoted to, to the Lord. Um, the, 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 the negatives for me have been, and, and they're just, they, they're like positives I see in other, in the, in the brothers I serve with is they all have really godly wives who, who are very good, um, counselors and advisors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know how to say it any better than that. They're good friends to them. Yeah. And so like, I mean, pastoral ministry, um, can be very weighty at times. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, we, we, we talk about this at times. We, we carry burdens that the rest of the congregation doesn't only carry. And there's been times when I've come home very burdened and I don't have anybody to talk to about yeah. that. Whereas they, they, you know, they're, they're getting in bed with their best friend and they have a chance to, to share mm-hmm. what's going on. I mean, they don't share everything, but they have a chance to, to at least process what they're going through. That's been obviously something that's that's a negative. Now the good thing is the brothers I serve with are very good about letting me process and talk through things I'm I'm hurting about or struggling with, uh, and so it doesn't usually last days where I'm having to carry that burden by myself. But at times, you know, it does, and so I see that as a negative, and also just that advisory role that their wives play because women uh, tend to be much more discerning than men about most things, and so uh, or at least they see things so much differently that they're able to discern things in ways that we're not. Yeah maybe a better way to say that. And so just, I've missed out on that. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that. I mean, I desire that. Um, and, um, but the, and it's also tough. The other negative is just, um, cause, cause I, I will date is setting up appropriate boundaries of what my, my relationship looks like with, um, single women yeah. in the church. And so I'm, I try to, I'm probably, probably overly cautious about it mm-hmm. just cause I want to make sure uh, one, I wouldn't, you know, lead somebody on, but that's that's minor in the sense of I just wouldn't want to give off the impression of I want to stay above reproach. Yeah. I don't want to give off the impression of anything that would be 
could be misconstrued. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm very, um, very cautious in those interactions. So, and so that, that is a negative. I mean, to a degree, um, that I have to be more cautious than others. I do get the, uh, you know, I'll get done preaching and pretty regularly I'll get, Hey, I've, I've got a daughter. I think you should meet. <laughs> I've got a last, last one was yeah. a granddaughter. I think uh-huh. you should meet. And I'm like, you know, that, that's, that's sweet. And you know, I, I, kind of, uh, yeah, so I deflect, but, uh, and it, that's just people that care for me, love me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I shouldn't be frustrated by that. I'm really not. I, I get it so much from even my own parents that I'm just kind of like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll just roll with a punch. But so you'll just, you get stuff like that. Um, and so there's some awkwardness at times. I, I wish, cause I feel like even when I date, I feel like I'm dating in a fishbowl, which is mm-hmm. not the most enjoyable thing. No. And so, uh, to, to put your dating life on display for all to see. But, uh, the good thing is about that is that I've invited the, the other elders into my life. So that when I am dating, they they're they're very aware of all that's going on as I'm trying to be again above board on mm-hmm. everything um and so yeah that would just be a couple of thoughts yeah uh, pastor. And thank you so much just for being candid because I think you know like I said as women you know it's something that we talk about in our own area and spot and all that kind of thing. But it's so refreshing just to hear, you know, that it's, it's challenging in its own right for, um, for, for men in ministry, for, you know, for just men in general, you know, at, at different life stages. And so thank you so much just for, for being honest and candid and answering that question. And, you know, this has been so great today. And I hope, um, you know, that for the people who are listening, that they have heard, you know, the importance of the local church and discipleship and of knowing what the word says about those things and, you know, and of just being, finding ways to get involved, to be plugged in, um, to, to be a voice, you know, where God has planted you. And so to not be a bystander. And, and, and I think too, just as one other affirmation, you don't have to be called to ministry. You know, we're all as believers called to minister to other people and to be, you know, an agent of ministry, you know, but even if you were working in, you know, in a shop today, or if you are a teacher, if you are a stay at home mom, a lawyer, whatever your job may be, you know, you are called to be a part of the local body, you know, and to be a part of, um, you know, a gathering of believers and, and to be a part of it, to do your part, um, wherever God has planted you. And so I hope that today these women have found some encouragement and maybe there are a few guys listening to, you know, who knows? So, um, but thank you so much, Nate, just for, for chatting with us today. I hope that you guys will, um, take a minute to, to look online at lifewaywomen.com forward slash podcast. Um, you can find all of our past shows there. You can find show notes. We'll link to the um, resources and different things that Nate talked about today. And you can, you can find out more details there. Um, make sure if you have a second to go onto iTunes and rate and review, that just makes it easier for other people to be able to find us. So um, we will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Mark podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, tweet at me. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mary Margaret C. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifewayWomen.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It's a great way for other people who aren't listening yet to find us. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next week.